0: Welcome to the Tomato Tomato Podcast. I'm your host, Chris.
1: And I'm your other host, Jenna.
0: Hey, other host. Hey. So this is a movie podcast, and uh, we talk about movie reviews uh, for movies that we like, some that we don't, just basically all kinds of movies.
1: And we use the three reviews that we choose as kind of a jumping off point to then have a discussion about the movie and to then talk about how the reviews think of the movie and whether or not they are right or wrong. And we get these
0: reviews from Rotten Tomatoes, the divisive uh, review aggregate websites.
1: So our movie today is in honor of the release of Baby Driver, which by the time that this comes out, I think it'll be released like that day. So go out and see it if you haven't. Or if you don't have plans to make plans to go see it because uh, we haven't seen it yet, but we have we very have high hopes for it. it. And we do have plans because it is going to be amazing. But so in anticipation of Baby Driver, which is the latest film from Edgar Wright, we're looking at one of his most well-known films. And we we like went back and forth about what which film to cover and whether or not to do like a whole episode about the Cornetto trilogy or whatever. But then we decided on Hot Fuzz, which is the middle film of the three films, and we also felt has enough similarities to Baby Driver, and is also, as it turns out, a very divisive film when it comes to movie reviews.
0: Which I had no idea. I thought it was kind of just uh, generally loved yeah. by everyone. Because I know, like Shaun of the Dead, if we had done that, that would have been the obvious movie. It would have been just us gushing. So that's why we went with Hot Fuzz.
1: Yes. So if you haven't seen Hot Fuzz, Mm -hmm. go watch it. (laughs) I mean, it's been out for 10 years. Yeah, 10 years.
0: Jeez, yeah, 10 years, yeah.
1: But it also does not feel dated. Like, it feels, it has this sort of, like, timeless quality to it, which all of his films kind of do. But it's just kind of, it was fascinating to me how, like, it doesn't really feel really set to a specific year or whatever.
0: Yeah, it really works across uh, decades. Yes. So I'm sure it'll hold up another decade or two from now.
1: Hopefully, yeah. Although I don't know how many people in a decade or two from now will have seen, like, Bad Boys 2 and all of the other movies that this <laughs> film references, but, you know, Some it's of one of those... Might yeah. might be dated. Yeah, but, but it, it's kind things. of a fun dated. And yeah. that's kind of the appeal of a lot of Edgar Wright stuff, in a, in a way, yeah. I would say. Yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah, so just to give a quick Rotten Tomatoes rundown on Hot Fuzz, as we mentioned, it's 10 years old, came out in 2007. It is rated fresh at 91%. It has an average rating of 7.7 out of 10. 200 reviews, 182 fresh, 18 rotten, with an audience score of 89%, with an average rating of 4 out of 5. And a little over half a million user ratings.
1: Which is so interesting as we keep going into this. It's so funny how much like older films mm-hmm. have that, of the deliberate user ratings and stuff. Yeah, like, it's yeah.
0: this trend that we kind of noticed uh, during this podcast. I think it's the, if you have extreme love for this movie, or extreme hate for the movie, you're going to make your voice heard. Yeah. If you just thought it was okay, um, you're not going to spend your time going on Rotten Tomatoes. Leaving a review. Um, and Hot Fuzz kind of earned this rating, to me at least.
1: Absolutely. Like, I, it's definitely, I was. I was surprised at the fact that it's only ninety one percent, but then like looking a little bit yeah, looking at the actual reviews, it doesn't really. I mean, it, it makes sense. And then like for contrast, like Shaun of the Dead is rated ninety two percent, and I oh, wow. don't remember the exact number for The World's End, but it's somewhere in like the high eighties. It's like eighty nine or eighty eight. So yeah,
0: it's kind of like the Forgotten Stepchild of the, the Cornetto Trilogy.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but so. Um, well, and also there's like more of a like distance and time I would think between yeah, these two movies like and The World's ago. End, which is part of why I, I like I thought about us doing The World's End, but I also was like it it feels like it, it wraps up the trilogy, but at the same time it doesn't it. There's bits of it that make it feel so removed from it because. Yeah
0: it has, yeah. like, this disconnect from the, the whole trilogy.
1: Because, like, in the meantime, like, Wright and Peg had gone to do, like, Star Trek and Scott Pilgrim and all of these other things to where they were kind of being established in their own right. And, then, and like, then they came back and made the third Cornetto movie, which, like, in on one hand, was still kind of in line with the, the feel that these two movies had, but at the same time, it was, like, the attached, like, fame and notoriety that they had. Yeah,
0: they didn't really have that kind of smaller cult following that they did yeah like 10 years prior
1: whereas like this is very much a cult movie like even though this like this made the most money out of all three of the Cornetto movies it's like this I would say that this one still feels very in line with Shaun Shaun of the Dead of like a very small scale but like purposefully so
0: yeah and I I feel like Hot Fuzz has the most uh, general audience appeal than the other two Yes. Since World's End is more alien apocalyptic, and uh, Shaun of the Dead is zombies, and that can turn people off. Yeah, which is uh, a point made in some of these reviews that we're going to get to in a little bit.
1: Yes, but so just to just to set up our premise, just in case this is your first episode, because I did think about that with um, last week's episode. I was like, wait, we didn't really outline like what exactly we do. We just kind of went into it. And well, when
0: that's their fault for not listening to the first two episodes. I, Go back and do that now.
1: I guess so, but you know, there are some people that
0: we just like to skip around.
1: Yeah, I'm, and we can't really fault those people. But I so guess. so just to set up the premise of what we do, we look at three different reviews from the movie and we usually base it off of whatever our opinion is on the particular movie we try to find two reviews that counteract it and then one review that supports it and so like for this movie we have one fresh review because we both like this movie and then two rotten reviews because that way it kind of it lets us know what people think about this movie in an opinion that's different from ours and it also just doesn't really turn it into like a circle jerk
0: yeah because we could easily just pick out Three fresh reviews and have this confirmation bias. So like, oh, everyone loves this movie. Let's move on.
1: But like, kind it's fun that. to figure out why people hate a movie that you love yeah. or love a movie mm-hmm. that you hate, and that's kind of what the fun of this podcast ends up being. Do we want to get into our three reviews?
0: Yeah, uh, let's start with the what I think is the most scathing. Yes, of the, the I wholeheartedly reviews agree. From the Daily Mail.
1: <clears> oh boy, <laughs> which so this yeah. Review,
0: yeah, as we said, it's from the Daily Mail written by Chris Tookie. Toki? Toki?
1: I don't let me see.
0: Tukey. Yeah. I'll go with Tukey.
1: Tukey. Okay. That's that's a that name. Sounds, that's a that very British better. that's a very British name. That's and like and, name. and like it felt important to me to get a British opinion on this because yes. like the the other two reviews are more American based. Or at least like presumably American based, whereas like this one is much more like Here's what a I, a British person, think of this like very British movie, which I We're thought was get kind some of international yeah. flavor. <laughs> oh boy! But so yeah, like I agree with you that this review is unbelievably scathing. Um, mm-hmm. I I was surprised at how much it is because like it's just yeah yeah.
0: So uh, the main kind of crux that I noticed in this review is uh, they've obviously have seen Shaun of the Dead and. They're going into Hot Fuzz expecting some kind of thesis to the movie, some kind of message. I don't know if that's something that you picked up on.
1: Like yeah, were, I, I definitely expect. I got that from the review, but I also don't necessarily think that there wasn't a message. Like, Yeah, and I don't,
0: I don't think this is a movie that needed one. Like, yeah, going off of Shaun of the Dead, and it was kind of a, a, a commentary on uh, humans are zombies already – with the with their lies and everything um obviously that that was a metaphor and they were kind of expecting something going into hot fuzz
1: well i'm like i i'm trying to think of how to articulate what the message would be in this movie i would say Mm -hmm. it's kind of like like there is definitely something there about like how police work is operates and how like people can be like oblivious to like crime that's happening and into like like, they can just kind of like turn the other cheek to like people's secrets and stuff. And like, it's a much more literal adaptation and not yeah. so much using the like zombie genre as like a device to tell that story, but it's yeah, more just I, kind of like making a cop movie that addresses yeah. those things.
0: I think that if there was kind of a message or a thesis, it'd be something about like the price of paradise and perfection yeah. and how there's, you can't really have it. There's got to, there's always going to be something bad. Yeah. Because you know uh, they're all uh, the town leaders are secretly killing people and controlling everything to have this perfect idyllic uh, little Hamish.
1: Well, and race. I also kind of interpret it. It's kind of interesting because <clears throat> I feel like if this movie was made today, there would be way more not white people in this I story. Think so too, because yeah. like there's almost an argument to be made here that it's kind of arguing about like how certain societies deal with like outsiders out, yeah outsiders and with people that they're not familiar with and like this takes it very literally but it also kind of uh, it addresses yeah. that problem with an entire cast of white people which is kind of interesting but at the same time it's like it i can i can understand how some people would miss that that point was trying to be made when there's not like any obvious like racial tension in the movie it's more just like class and like societal very, tension yeah
0: yeah that that was definitely one of the Things I kind of picked up on too, and just kind of like the the everyday mundane life.
1: Yes. Because
0: uh, when you have Nick Frost character versus yes. uh, Peg's character, who is all actiony, and then he moves to this small town, and it's, it's very doldrums. He has nothing to do, and then he kind of learns to love the doldrums and the the mundane. Yeah. Embraces kind of the the boring and the the peaceful.
1: Yeah, which is like the I think there is a point to be made there that like a, a good mix of both is like yeah. healthy. But yeah, but yeah, going back to this review, I found like it was interesting how even just like the little things from it are kind of scathing. Like when they when they first mention Nick Frost, it says in parentheses after his name it says the fat one from Shaun of the Dead. And I'm like, which oh boy. It's
0: unnecessary. I'm
1: like, buddy. <laughs> Like, did you really, really need to mention that? I it guess it really
0: sets the tone. Yeah,
1: it really does. But so then, um, going further, this, I, what I found interesting is that two of these reviews mention um, Michael Bay, which I yeah. didn't really make that connection. In part because I've never sat through a full Michael Bay movie, but. You're lucky yeah i know um i've written about michael bay movies without having to actually see them but so it was just interesting to me because um like i can understand that comparison especially with like the amount of explosions and the sort of pace of a lot of the action and stuff but i never would have made that while i was watching the movie because it's such it's such a smaller scale and it's not like giant fighting robots
0: yeah, it's not kind of just mindless explosions and actions for the sake of it. I mean, Wright does it with purpose.
1: And, and it makes it fun. Because he does action well. <clears throat> yeah.
0: He does action well, and he's also kind of riffing off other action movies. Which, like, that's yeah. what,
1: yeah, that's what excites me about Baby Driver, is, like, knowing all of the action that's going to be in it and, like, knowing that it's all choreographed with purpose and, like, going to be really fun to watch. It's, like, action scenes... Action scenes can either be really mindless and not really interesting, which, like, we kind of had last week with The Scorpion King where it's just kind of, like, well, this is a thing. I'm not really enjoying watching this, but this is just... This is what this movie is banking on. Whereas, like, the this movie isn't banking on action sequences. I don't think Shaun of the Dead or any of Wright's movies really Mm -hmm. bank on that. They're more character-based, but then the action ends up being like a fun added bonus.
0: Yeah, which kind of, this reviewer, he's saying that um, specifically for the Michael Bay stuff, he he has attention deficit syndrome editing and ear-splitting sound effects that make the work of Tony Scott and Michael Bay so treasurably preposterous. Which, I'm, uh, this just kind of Edgar wright mm-hmm. That's his style of editing and filmmaking. Exactly. It, you're either with it or you're not.
1: Um, it's very clear but, that this reviewer is not with it.
0: He's not with it at all. It, it, he could just say that it's not his style. It's not bad. I like his style. Yeah. I, it, it's very distinct. And he has a clear voice uh, for the movies he makes.
1: Exactly. But, um and,
0: Yeah. <laughs> And even uh, he goes on to say that his son, who watched Shaun of the Dead <laughs> dozens of times, found this silly. I, I'm i not going to say his son is stupid, but...
1: His son, who is on, now man. 25, realistically, cause yeah. he, because it says he was 15 at the time of writing this review. With Shaun of the Dead, there's so much silliness and so much that's absolutely ridiculous, even with as much, like social commentary and drama and plot points and stuff that go through it like the like they the first scene of them killing zombies is them throwing records and hitting their heads like i think that kind of sets it yeah it sets a tone that is so distinct and it just is funny to me that people kind of argue that this is more silly i mean it is more silly than Shaun of the Dead, but I don't. I wouldn't think that there isn't silliness in Shaun of the Dead. I think like silliness is a huge thing that runs through yeah. every single one of Wright's movies. Honestly, like it's just kind of a huge thing for him. But I guess it's not everyone's cup of tea.
0: Apparently not. And the, the reviewer goes on to describe more things that just is not his cup of tea in this movie. Um,
1: one thing that's interesting is. A lot of these reviews talk about the pacing, which is one thing where, as someone who just watched the movie again this morning, I would agree with it. Because, like, I pulled up the movie, and I was excited to watch it, and then I figured out it was two hours long, and I was like, oh. I think
0: it's the longest of all Yeah, I did not...
1: Yeah, I, I think it is. I, I don't have enough browsers open to go check, but, like, I wasn't expecting it to be two hours long, and, like, I can understand the argument completely about how it does not need to be two hours long. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh,
0: it says in the review, it yeah. takes ages to get going, more than 40 minutes before the first murder, when the villains are uncovered there is no real attempt to make their motives or methods believable
1: which like i yeah i agree with the first half of that sentence but with when the villains are uncovered i think it it works that their like motives the are ridiculous because it's like it's like they're killing people for like the pettiest reasons and it's like there's comedy the good. yeah well and like there's comedy to be felt in the fact that it's like oh well we killed the one girl because she had an annoying laugh and like exactly. we killed the other guy because he's like really bad at acting and whatever it's like they can and deliberately that's, have that's the
0: whole point of it too they, yeah they could have come up with more realistic legitimate reasons but that's the that's the reason why they did it and i think it's a great choice to have those silly reasons Unlike Shaun of the Dead, they kind of linger yeah. more in Hot Fuzz.
1: Yes, where
0: uh, Shaun of the Dead, they, it's very much like Edgar Wright style: quick cuts, not staying in one scene too long.
1: Which, like, it's I mean, there's things. there's that here, but I feel like there's also more of a, like a narrative linger here, where mm-hmm. there's like more plot points that are dealt with and like more side characters that are kind of explored a little bit further. Whereas like yeah, Shaun of the that, Dead has such like a small cast.
0: Yeah, and you have this whole. So you have this whole town, this cast of characters, and a mystery involved. Where yeah. Shaun of the Dead is like, we're in the zombie apocalypse. We just need to survive. Yeah, like we're in the, added.
1: yeah, like we're in the zombie apocalypse, and also we have all of this relationship drama that like we've been meaning to deal with anyway.
0: Which I never thought about. I forget which review it was, but they made a point to call it like a zombie rom com.
1: Yeah, which like Edgar Wright has. Never, yeah.
0: I had never thought of Shaun of the Dead as a a rom com before.
1: Yeah. I I definitely have, like Edgar Wright has said for like a really long time that like his goal is to just kind of sneak other genres into these movies, like because he doesn't really necessarily want to make something that's specifically like it it can borrow things from one genre and like (sighs) have this overall tone that applies to one genre, but it can have all of these other elements thrown in that are kind of completely out of the box, but also work because it's such this like mismatch, which is kind of the same thing with world's end. It's like, you can tell that it's apocalyptic, but like the, the whole sci-fi direction of it is almost a surprise, but it like works within the world of the film. And at the same time, it's like a relationship drama because it's all of these friends who haven't seen each other in a really long time.
0: Yeah. And that's the the kind of a through line for all the movies that he does, at least for the Cornello trilogy. This like emotional core. Um Shaun of the Dead, you have him and his girlfriend. Hot Fuzz, you have him and his
1: partner. Okay, so I have a funny piece of trivia that I read. So on Hot Fuzz, um, so they, they initially had a female character that was written throughout the film that was supposed to be a love interest for Simon Pegg's character, but then they realized mm. that she didn't contribute to, or like she kind of took away from too much of what was going on and was just kind of, like, one extra thing. But so then it said that they they gave almost all of her lines to Nick Frost and, like, <laughs> barely changed most of them, which I kind of love.
0: I kind of love that, too.
1: Like, on yeah, one hand, it would have be been so nice. Yeah, on one, on one hand, it would have been nice to have, like, a, a female lead that isn't, or a female character in the, mo- in the movie that isn't just, like, the little old ladies and then, like, that one girl that's on Broadchurch that like is like the overly like innuendo police officer but like I I, it would have been nice to have another female character but I kind of I love the fact that it was just like yeah let's just make this super like homoerotic and like yeah now you have
0: this gay subtext to it exactly
1: which like there's always gay subtext in these movies like Shaun of the Dead absolutely is Mm -hmm. like the love the real love story is almost between Shaun and Ed but like I feel like it's yeah
0: yeah, which I'm sure the Daily Mail would just hate. Oh, boy. Um, so another point from the Daily Mail review is that they say the comedy arises not from verbal wit, of which there is none, which I... I I'm like, excuse you. With. I yeah. totally disagree with that point. Uh, I think Edgar Wright, is, his scripts, along with uh, Simon Pegg, because he writes them too, are chock full of wit and... Just really great uh, gags. Um,
1: well, and like there's one of the one of the later reviews talks about how there's like almost an overabundance of jokes, but that it's at the point where like if not every joke lands for you, you at least know that there's like a a, a mood that's being set up within the film to where you know that if a joke doesn't land with you in ten seconds, there's going to be one that does.
0: And that's the great thing about these movies is. You can watch them a few times and pick up on new jokes. Absolutely,
1: yeah. It's like I picked up way more.
0: Yeah, yeah. You were too busy laughing at the first couple, you just missed the next two, whether they're uh, verbal or visual gags, which there there's so many. Uh, The one that uh, which review was it? One of the reviews points out that it praises the the verbal gags. The the fridge magnate gag, which is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, Yes, I don't know. The Daily Mail reviewer, this just isn't his style of movies. Yeah. I don't know. He's probably more into dry humor.
1: Which, like, they're... Yeah. Having this be, like, the British review is kind of interesting because I do feel like a large amount of British comedy is almost, like, not this level of wit and, like, self-parody and stuff. It's much more... Like a lot of it falls in line with the office, like the British office, where it's just kind of like, I'm feeling uncomfortable by, and like there's, yeah, like awkward humor. I would say like the closest thing to this level of humor is like the IT crowd. Because there's definitely that like self like self awareness and like level of parody, but there's also that like dry awkward humor. But it's also just like someone leaving a business meeting by jumping out a window. Like like there's no there's there's much more silliness with it that is kind of in line with these sort of movies.
0: I don't think he like he's a fan of the kind of the I don't want to say an overabundance, but kind of the not even in your face, but the the raw violence. <laughs> in the movie because you forget that timothy felton gets his face impaled yes by a miniature church
1: which is an amazing scene that was like it's one of the most noteworthy great. things when i first saw this movie i was like yeah. holy hell i know there's one other review that mentions the fact that there's kind of a tie between this and like the stepford wives and with yes. like even with like the town being called like sanford it's like it's very much that sort of like we're all in this sort of bubble and we're out to get anyone who threatens that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and then the whole It's Sanford uh, is a reference to uh, Chinatown, which uh, this movie obviously uh, par- not parodies, but kind of homages and winking and nods to other action movies, uh, specifically like Point Break and Bad Boys 2. Yes. Uh, as the Daily Mail says. Uh, it fails to spot their most absurd characteristics. Um, uh, Bad Boys Two featured two cops callously endangering hundreds of lives, uh, which I kind of think
1: this movie wise. does. The it whole does, shootout you know, in the town a whole square, shootout with yeah,
0: the entire town, yeah. At the end of the movie.
1: I was like, as I was watching that, I kind of had the context of like having seen more action based like movies and TV shows, and I was like, that is unsafe. Like, yeah. there are so many people who would just get caught in the crossfire of that somehow. That it's kind of amazing that it, oh, it conveniently the whole town was cleared away except for like the yeah. the all of the bad guys.
0: And then, as the Daily Mail goes on to say, the sadness is that it makers its makers seem to have nothing to say about Britain or Hollywood uh, through like the action and uh, riffing off the action movies, which. I mean, he kind of went in expecting a message behind this movie. Yeah. I kind of just enjoy it for what it is. You know, it's it's a good buddy cop movie that is just riffing off other action movies. It's not parroting them kind of like uh, epic movie or scary movie in that cheap way. But it's kind of, we love these movies that came before it. And this is our way of saying hey
1: thank you well i'm like i that's definitely true with um nick frost's character because it's like he, he his whole plot line throughout the whole movie is basically just like i'm super obsessed with this particular genre and now like the events of that are finally happening to me and i'm so excited and it is kind of it's more of that like love behind it as opposed to just yeah. like a straight parody it's yeah so I, it's funny because i i do think that the daily mail kind of it expected way more out of this like out of this movie than it actually did. And, but I feel like a lot of it was more individual based and not so much like whether or not people would actually like the movie, Yeah. which is kind of, it's interesting because we've dealt with a fair amount of reviews like that, where it's like, I didn't like the fact that the rock had too long of a mullet in the scorpion King. So this gets one star. It's like, well, that's your own personal preferences and they shouldn't really affect this whole thing. So
0: there's this line in the Daily Mail again, uh, the promising satirical approach is soon jettisoned in favor of an attack on the much maligned boroughs of Middle England. Uh, So he feels uh, personally attacked on behalf of Middle England. Yeah. uh, Which I I think this guy's just missing the point.
1: There's no one that's watching this movie that then thinks, oh, every quiet town in England is exactly like this. Like yeah. this is a this is a purposefully ridiculous example.
0: It's it's over the top on purpose. And yeah. He doesn't get the point. Nope. Much much like kind of, uh, Cinema Blend. Well, yes. Cinema Blend gets the point. Um, they understand what Wright uh, is going for, but they admit it's not for them.
1: My first note was like, <laughs> this guy obviously did not like Shaun of the Dead. Which, no. then, which then I'm like, why would you have this person then review the follow-up to Shaun of the Dead?
0: Yeah, they're going to go in kind of with a, a negative view on the filmmakers and the film. Cinema Blend says, like Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz is not a parody film. It's only half a parody film. Uh, Peg and Wright staunch, staunchly avoid delving into the easy jokes and lame Leslie Nielsen pantsless punchlines that define your average parody flick, but they don't shy away from reenacting the genre cliches of their favorite action movies, which we've kind of touched on already. Yeah. Um, It's, that's the whole point. Um, it's not a parody. They're kind of just homaging.
1: Well, like the, the, that quote goes on to say, unlike Sean, they don't put much effort into picking apart the action genre while they do it. In fact, the Mm -hmm. first half of this movie isn't really a buddy cop film at all. It's more like a reenactment of a bad slasher flick with angel and butterman wandering around clueless while masked and robed figures um, trapeze about cutting off heads Over a spooky horror soundtrack It's only in the movie's final act that it really Gets around to being a cop movie and even then It doesn't put nearly as much effort into Deconstructing the action movies it represents As it does in simply reenacting great beats From other bad cop movies Which like I, I don't know I don't agree with the, the notion that like The first half of the movie isn't a cop movie
0: Yeah cause it It opens up with the Action sequences from Peg's character
1: well, and, and it's like i th- it, I think it, the I think with every cop movie i mean i I also don't watch a whole lot of cop movies, so that's kind yeah. of where my my issue lies. but I would say that there's like I don't know how many of them really kind of dive into this cop is a fish out of water, and we're gonna kind of focus on him getting accustomed to his new place. I yeah, think I it's gonna, more use,
0: I was just gonna use that too like a yeah. fish out of water that's
1: i I is. think with a lot of cop movies, it's much more in line of like here's your new partner and now you guys have to team up together to solve a murder. And yeah, it's like, and by the book, and yeah. Well, and it's and like, and it's, it jumps in very easily. Mm-hmm. And like, cause it's, it's using the tropes that then you expect it to have. But then I think with this, there's more, there's more of a little bit amount of time to get to what the actual crime is because yeah. it, I don't know, because it's trying to be more character based and not so much like trope based.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of the positive things that even this negative review has to say is they enjoy the chemistry between Frost and Peg. Yes, which we kind of touched on before. They're they always a great duo in whatever they're in. Yeah, they've worked together on so many things that they hate. they just have good chemistry, and it really shows.
1: Well, and like is this? I don't know if this review or the Daily Mail said something. Oh yeah, it it was the it was Cinema Blend. It says that. Simon, or yeah, Peg and Frost are wickedly funny when they're playing off each other. It's just a shame that Wright and Peg didn't give them more substance to work with when they wrote the script. And it's like, I don't agree with that.
0: I, I don't either.
1: Like, I think that there's more, I think that there's enough for them to work with without it having to overly be like, I'm the gruff cop and you're the rookie or like... Yeah, that
0: would have been too tropey.
1: Yeah, it's like there and are there's sort of a trope here of like, I'm like, straight A, or I'm, like, by the book, and you're more, like, loose canon. Yeah, loose canon and kind of lazy. But I think that's it's almost more like an odd couple dynamic and less, like, a cop show or a cop movie yeah. sort of dynamic.
0: And I think, I don't know if this reviewer had a certain expectation coming off of Shaun of the Dead, where the characters in that one already had an established relationship.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you, get,
0: you get the the basis of that relationship in their first conversation, which is brilliantly written. You get everything you need to know in that little tidbit, whereas here we get to see this development of their characters.
1: Well, and, for like, movie. this movie's kind of an extension of the the sort of tropes that they lend into with Shaun of the Dead, where it's, like, it's like Nick Frost's character is a little more, like, he, he's lazy and he doesn't really do a whole lot. And, like, Shaun... But you can also argue kind of the shame, same for Shaun's character. It's just that he, like, works a really boring job and, like, doesn't know what he's doing with his life sort of thing. But, so, but he's the more organized out of the two. But so then it mm-hmm. kind of takes that that sort of general dynamic and then heightens it into this super ridiculous thing, which then if I remember correctly, the world's end kind of subverts that because it's like Peg is the more loose cannon character and Nick Frost is more of the nerd,
0: the straight laced. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Which I feel like they almost felt like they had to do after two movies of having that established relationship of Peg being the straight laced one, the more serious one. Mm -hmm. And they just wanted to do the inverse For the last Cornero Trilogy. Well, and
1: also because that cast in The World's End is much more... Like, there's more personality types involved with their whole group of friends that then they can have... It's not just the two characters. It's not just Peg and Frost playing off of each other. It's Peg and Frost playing off of each other while Martin Freeman and the other guys kind of stand in the background. Mm -hmm. But so... Yeah, it is kind of interesting mm-hmm. that this review doesn't like what they were given when I think they were given enough. I think what they were given was really interesting.
0: I think so, too. And I I enjoy Edgar Wright's and Peg's scripts. I think it gives them a lot. And he, I mean, I, I don't know how much improv they do on set or ad-libbing they do.
1: I don't know. I would be, be really curious. Yeah. You.
0: Yeah. And and looking over the the Cinema Blend review, because uh, I, I saw this the movie after it was elite, re, after it was released, um, it says while well, Hot Fuzz's marketing material seemed pretty certain on this point, the point being that it's uh, a buddy cop movie, the movie itself seems less sure, which I thought was interesting. If the marketing for the movie at the time set this expectation of what the movie was going to be.
1: But I also think, I wonder if that was just the American marketing. I wonder if it was attempting to just feed into American audiences' understanding of cop movies. Because it's like, Shaun of the Dead was a cult movie around that time, but it wasn't really a thing where it suddenly, like, everyone knew what Shaun of the Dead was when, like in 2007. So I think they probably would have had to have banked more on it being kind of a silly cop movie. And less That's on like, how it was marketed. yeah, not so
0: much as uh, I hate to say parody, but not like a parody of cop movies. So it's like we got to market this as a silly cop movie.
1: Yeah, and not so much as like Americans. this is by the like by Edgar Wright, which is interesting because then like you've like flash forward to the ads for Baby Driver and like part of it is also the cast for that is like really well like it has a lot of really strong people yeah. that like people can recognize, but there is very much if I remember correctly it's like from Edgar Wright, director of The Cornetto Trilogy or like something along those lines, which then kind of like he he's I think with like Scott Pilgrim and like the the added um, popularity of the Cornetto trilogy, I think that then he's become more of like an, a marketing point in and of himself.
0: Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they don't they don't exactly market these movies as Baby Driver from the creator of Spaced.
1: No, <laughs> it's more
0: of like he's a well known entity now. He's not. Yeah. I mean, he still kind of has that. Indie darlingness to him.
1: Absolutely, yeah. But he
0: can still handle these bigger movies. I do wonder. You know,
1: like yeah, I do oh, wonder in an alternate wait. universe with Ant Man if he had been the one who ultimately directed it, how they would have marketed, like how that would have affected the marketing. Because like with with Ant Man, they didn't have anyone to really. Like, I mean, Peyton Reed didn't have any, like, name behind him to where they could say, from the director of blah, blah, blah. It's like they just kind of had to say, from Marvel, here's Ant Man. But, like, I think if Wright had actually been the director, I think it would have been highlighted a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Like, because you can specifically say, this is Edgar Wright's Ant Man.
1: Yeah. And, which would have, like, and gotten. You what know you're getting with. That. Yeah. And you would have, it would have gotten more of like an indie um buzz surrounding it because it's like oh my god edgar wright has another movie and oh my god who cares if it's like part of the marvel machine it's like still yeah. an edgar Just, wright it, movie
0: as all the reviews say that it, they make a point to point out his specific style yeah in filmmaking um which cinema blend as we kind of mentioned before they 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 understand it but it's just not for them. Yeah. Uh, As the review says, ultimately, I don't think it matters what I say about the (laughs) film. I fully expect my inbox stuffed with hate mail in the morning, right? Peg and Frost have developed their kind of insanely devoted cult following that will laud their efforts pretty much no matter what they result in.
1: Which is, it's funny to me that that review actually highlighted that of like, like I know my review is directly contradicting like what everyone else feels about this movie, but also like, I don't care, I'm still going to write it anyway. Like I still gave it
0: it's weird to me. You would expect this yeah. to be like a two out of five stars, but they gave it a three.
1: Yeah, but which it's still seems like a
0: BC Ben.
1: It's still registered as rotten. Yeah. Even though it's like it, realistically, it it's middle of the road. I would say it, that's kind of where Rotten Tomatoes, as we've kind of discovered, it kind of goes into this weird dichotomy creating thing where it's like something either has to be fresh or it has to be rotten when it's like a two out of five review and a three out of five review could say basically the same exact things but they could be classified completely differently.
0: Yeah, it it makes uh, movie criticism very cut and dry.
1: Very numerical.
0: When you just look at the the analytics of it, it, it's doing a disservice to the actual reviews itself and I think that's where people get lost and hung up on. They just look at the the raw numbers yeah. and not the details of the reviews and why it was given that number.
1: Um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's also interesting because we were just talking so much about the marketing. At, at the end of this review, they mention how like they they don't think that Hot Fuzz would have gotten Edgar Wright any more fans, which is like... It, yeah. This movie made the most out of all three of the Cornetto movies. Which like, It's not surprising. Yeah. But, like, I would I would wonder if, an, like, to an extent... Because I feel like Shaun of the Dead probably found its audience way after it was released. So, like, in terms of okay. box office, it probably would have accumulated more of that. Um, like, if you had counted in, like, home releases and, like, everything else, it would have probably made a little bit more money. But at the same time, like, this movie got... I think it was, like, $80 million, like, oh, oh. in the box office, which is pretty good for a very small british indie film like
0: since he wasn't really a name yet like he definitely had that cult following off of Shaun of the dead well and like Um,
1: peg and peg and frost weren't really either because they had like um like peg hadn't done the first star trek yet i don't think
0: which was uh, that that came two years later yeah that was 2009
1: yeah and then like we flash forward to now and he's like basically running star trek which is kind of amazing um But so it's just kind of, it's fascinating to me because I do feel like this movie, I don't know how much of an impact it had on, like, Edgar Wright's popularity, but at least it, like, got his name out there. And it, like, gave, like, I don't know, it gave much more of a reason to, like, watch out for what he does and whatever.
0: Yeah, because I think, was the next film he did after this, was that Scott Pilgrim?
1: I think it was, um, let me look up, because I think, I think we're, like, missing one or two that aren't, like, in the, uh, like... That aren't like his super yeah. well known films. I'm like, didn't he do let me see? Uh yeah, okay. So you're right. Okay. I was just thinking, I, I thought like that, that one weird alien movie, Paul, for some yeah, reason he wasn't I thought involved in that one. For some reason I thought that he was because it's like Peg and frost i totally was yeah. like oh well that has to be something that he wrote or whatever but no he was not really involved with it but no. so yeah so he made hot fuzz and then he made a small segment in in grindhouse which came out that same year which oh, was, like it the, was like a fake trailer yeah it was like an anthology movie and he had like a fake trailer inside of it but then yeah the next thing was scott pilgrim and then the world's end and then baby driver and then he has another thing announced which is exciting
0: Ooh.
1: it's shadows which comes out in 2019 and it, all it says is the plot is kept under wraps <laughs> it doesn't give <laughs> any right, yeah i'm like I mean, i'll go
0: see it regardless
1: i'm on board like, which
0: uh, which i'm sure the cinema blend reviewer would not like it's like oh god they're just mindless edgar wright fans oh
1: it looks like it's animation
0: interesting yeah it says it's I'd made really by dreamworks to see his style on animation
1: that's gonna be really fun
0: yeah, I, the Cinema Blend reviewer doesn't find a lot of humor in the, in Hot Fuzz. <laughs> that's not to say there isn't the occasional giggle in Hot Fuzz, but few of those have anything to do with the general lampoon of action films the movie spends a lot of time and energy to discuss.
1: I would argue that there's way more than an occasional giggle. Like, there were full yeah. scenes where I was like, every line of dialogue was hilarious, but... And,
0: that, and that's kind of like the, the diversity of jokes that are in these films, uh, from visual to verbal gags even if they all don't land with you yeah the rate at which you get the jokes is amazing
1: exactly it's and like it's way more pace. yeah and it's way more than i would say like a conventional comedy movie
0: which i can get like all the i can get into like a driver about <laughs> that modern blockbuster comedies just don't do it for me anymore no i it, comedy right now is on tv that's where it's at yeah um I'm not into the big blockbuster comedies.
1: But like there almost aren't as many being made. Like they're they're really just like whatever Judd Apatow decides to put his name on every year. Which like it's funny that you're saying that because then it's like the big sick is the most recent thing that he's putting his name on. And we're both very excited for that. But but it's like I, I do agree that for a lot of it, like whatever comedies do come out, you can almost tell as soon as you watch a trailer, you're like, that's not for me.
0: And a lot of them, I say that.
1: But I feel like with this, it's like, you know that this is going to be comedic, but it's also not necessarily very much a broad comedy. Do we want to go to the Slate review?
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, while we're gushing, let's jump to the review that actually gushes about this. So it's from Slate by Dana Stevens.
1: Yes. I kept Uh, reading it as Dan Stevens. Then I was like, (laughs) no, it's not. The guy that's in Legion. So
0: this reviewer just gushes about the movie, um... So they say um so the opening paragraph I thought there were there were some interesting points. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easy to be wary of hot fuzz at first because genre parody has become so such a tired derivative form, think epic movie or Reno nine one one. And really do we need another dumb action movie to remind us how dumb action movies are? I
1: found that particularly interesting, especially with the the Reno nine one one callback. Because I I can see the comparison, absolutely. But I feel like Reno 911 almost tries to have the same sort of mindset of like, let's play into the tropes of an action, like, cop movie or cop TV show, but at the same time, just keep making it ridiculous and fun and kind of have a bit of like smartness behind it.
0: Yeah, they turn it to 11. Yeah. But they're still, it's not for the sake of. Uh, being outlandish it's like there's there's, something behind
1: it yeah there's and part of that is like tom lennon and ben grant like deliberately write everything with that kind of intention but it's so it was just kind of funny to me that it that is seen as tired and derivative like in comparison to this i can kind of see that comparison but i i think like on its own it's it's definitely more in the realm of hot fuzz than it is in like epic movie
0: yeah, the comparison is more surface level Yes. than anything. More of like they share a similar genre uh, to Buddy Cops. But other than that, it's, it's superficial comparisons.
1: Absolutely. They're
0: both trying to accomplish different things in different ways. Uh, yeah, the Slate review uh, also says that, uh, and this goes against what other reviews have said, uh, the script is shock block full of absurd puns that somehow become funnier the more you think about them. Yes. Uh, right, and Peg don't care if they make you laugh with sight gags, where Whit Pratt falls or sheer stupidity. They just want to make you laugh, even when they don't succeed. The density of jokes is such that you know there's always a good one around the corner.
1: Which is exactly and, and, uh, what we were saying.
0: Yeah. Even if there's the this joke doesn't work for you, don't worry. There's five more coming.
1: Yeah. Which. Yeah, which is like very true with like this and the World's End and like um, Scott Pilgrim to a small extent. But although, like, I feel like Scott Pilgrim is more on the level of, like, Shaun of the Dead, where it's just kind of, like, less jokes per minute, but every joke has, like, more intent behind it because of it. Yes. But I definitely feel like this, th- that's kind of, like, the two bits. I think Ant-Man's kind of like Hot Fuzz and World End too, where it's kind of, like, a lot of jokes... Like as much as Marvel would allow, <laughs> but yeah. I, I think there's it's a kind of
0: joke rate per minute.
1: Yeah, and it's like they they tried really hard to make all of them stick, but like there's still humor found in the weirder stuff, mm-hmm. which then kind of makes it very much a right sort of movie. But yeah, um like yeah, kinda
0: go, not to get too far off the point, but something like scott Pilgrim, it's it's an adaptation of a comic, but it's still very much an Edgar Wright movie, which. I think really speaks to his distinct style yeah. and um, he's able to inject his own flavor into another property, which yeah. I think is one of his strengths as a, a filmmaker.
1: Yes. Well, and it's funny because I can't remember which one of these reviews, but one of them kind of presumed that there would be a third Cornetto movie, but they weren't sure what genre it was going to be Like, because this was back in 2007 and The World's End didn't come out until 2013. But so they say like, oh, well, are they going to do a Western yet? Like next? And I'm like, I would see that. I would love to see that. I, that would be hilarious because it would be absolutely like they could inject so much ridiculousness into it while still keeping exactly with the like, like John Wayne, Western movie kind of tropes.
0: Yeah, there would be a lot that they could play around with.
1: Yeah, it would be really fun. Um, Let's see, I had two more notes for this review. There's one that says, In a running visual gag, Wright presents the mundane details of a cop's daily grind and the rapid-fire editing style of a Bruckheimer-esque action sequence. Bang! Angel whips out a pen from his pocket. Kazam! He fills out paperwork. These scenes are funny because they send up the cliches of a crime thriller, but they're also something weirdly moving about them. In the end, like Shaun of the Dead... Hot Fuzz is both a parody of old movies and a parable of everyday life. The lowliest pub crawler can become a, hero- a heroic vanquisher of zombies, and the most banal job assignment can turn into a cops and robbers ride of your life. Which is like exactly what we were trying to argue, and it goes exactly yeah. against what the other two reviews were saying. of like, oh, there's not a meaning and an application to everyday life kind of thing.
0: It, it kind of plays up, those little everyday aspects of life. And uh heightens them
1: but then my favorite quote from all three of these reviews was from the slate review and it says hot fuzz is like an agatha christie novel directed by michael bay and adapted for the screen by pg woodhouse the script is a -a chock-a-block with absurd puns that somehow become even funnier more that you think about them but yeah i just love the agatha christie novel directed by michael bay that's like the perfect
0: it really is though
1: so do you want to go into our last segment
0: yeah uh let's get right into it
1: okay so for those of you who are listening to us for the first time um we like to end every show with a sort of like fan casting segment so we look at the director of the film and the leads of the film and try to figure out what thing like what superhero property they could go into and which one would be cool to see them in so for this one obviously edgar wright has a past relationship with superhero properties one that didn't necessarily end very well unfortunately um but if but if you were to see him direct another superhero thing what would you want that to be
0: oh boy i mean um I, I want to say the Flash, but yeah. I'm kind of banking on Lord and Miller right now.
1: Yeah, the day that we're recording this, two days before, was when the whole Han Solo shakeup happened, and we're kind of hoping that that means that Lord and Miller will make their way back to the Flash. Like they wrote the script, they like they have enough reason to go back to it. But it also would be really, really fun to see what Wright would be able to do for it.
0: Yeah, he, I mean, he definitely has that kind of kinetic style yeah. that would work for a very kinetic character like The Flash.
1: <laughs> Literally kinetic. I was thinking something more in line with the like Spider-Verse that they're trying to establish that, that would be may or may not be tied to the MCU. Yeah. <laughs> By Except the time you the listen mayor. to this, that could change. Who knows? Um, yeah. But I, I think it would be interesting to kind of see him take... Not, not Peter, because obviously that whole thing's kind of squared away. I was thinking... Spider-Gwen has, like, such a weird universe behind it, and uh, so many, yeah, so many, like, unique things that are going on that I feel like he could really play into it really well, and kind of be able to respect the fact that she's the main character and, like, give her what she needs in order to, like, be the protagonist of the movie, but at the same time, I feel like he could really work with, like, the, the side characters, and like yes. he has experience like he has experience making band related movies with Scott Pilgrim so like he could totally handle the whole like she's in a rock band and also a superhero thing which oh, damn i need this movie now it would be so much fun and it literally just came to me but like that i would pay so much money for like i would fund that movie myself like Let, that's how badly the Indiegogo. <laughs> yes absolutely like i want that to exist way more than words can express So yeah, that would be my pick. Um, As far as what we would fan cast Peg and Frost into, do you have any ideas?
0: I feel like they have to be a combo. Um,
1: I think they do, but they almost don't. I don't know. So
0: so I have one combo in mind. Okay. Just because they're kind of more comedic characters. um, They're from DC. One of them is known and the other is not. (laughs) Um, And they're a pair. Okay. Plastic Man in... Woozy Winks.
1: Ooh. So Woozy okay. Winks
0: is, his, is Plastic Man's sidekick. The He's a more fumbling, bumbling character. Nice. If you Google them.
1: I'm Plastic looking, Man, I'm doing that right now.
0: You, you'll, you'll totally see what I'm getting at.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: It would be totally kind of out of the box. Yes. Casting, I feel like, but it would work.
1: <laughs> and it would be like an update. Because like everything yeah. for Woozy Winks is like the 1940s clothes that yeah. look really ridiculous yes
0: and i think frost could pull that off that kind of uh, he, so woozy wings wears a polka dot shirt and a little hat <laughs> it's so ridiculous but it, frost could pull it off
1: it would be that would be great
0: oh uh, so this is an out of continuity dc thing <laughs> um but we've both read this um There was a recent kind of reboot of uh, an obscure DC character, (laughs) um, Prez. Yes. Uh, I would love to see him tackle that.
1: Oh my gosh, yes.
0: I would love to see an adaptation of that period. (laughs) Um, It's from Ben Caldwell, and I forget who the writer was, but he's hilarious. Um, But I I would love to see Wright or anyone.
1: Okay, so so if Wright did that, I'm, like, thinking off the top of my head. I feel like one of the, like, faceless corporation people could be Peg. Like, where okay. it's just, like, the Walmart smile and, like, all the other really creepy, like, bored of people that she has to answer to. Yes. And then I almost want to see Nick Frost as the end-of-life bear in part because that um, is my favorite character in that I entire series. So <laughs>
0: amazing. Uh, so, uh, Mark Russell, that's who that was. Yes, right. okay. Give proper credit. Yeah, so it's by Mark Russell and Ben Caldwell. If you haven't read Prez,
1: it's so good. There's like go six go with, issues. It's fantastic. It's so short, but it's so good. And yeah, the end of life bear, the, the line of like, Hi, I'm an end of life bear. Would you like some medical marijuana? is my favorite, just stupid line. It's amazing. It's so it's great. Amazing.
0: Yeah, so that's uh, that's the the property comic property I would like to see them tackle. Oh my
1: god, we like totally nailed it with that. I'm like really happy with that.
0: Uh, now, part of me hopes that we need to we need to just tweet this podcast at Edgar Wright. We will and kind of will it into existence.
1: Totally, <laughs> we can start like a hashtag. Edgar I'm except right we prez. can't yeah, we can't start right for Prez because then people would think we're good. wanting him to run for president. Although be I would our rather Ed have Leonard,
0: be our president, I'd no rather way. have
1: Edgar Wright be president than what we currently have. But you know. But yeah, oh my god, I need that I need that to exist. Like so badly.
0: Me too.
1: <laughs> god, that's great. Okay. So where can people find you? On the social medias.
0: I was going to say, you can't find me anywhere. (laughs) Where can people find you?
1: On the street.
0: (laughs) Uh, But online. Yes. On the interwebs, you can find me at uh, Chris Vitto. It's my handle on the uh, Twitter and Instagram.
1: The Twitter and the Instagram.
0: I'm an old person. Yes, you
1: are. But no, it made me think when you said the thing about I don't want people to find me. That's like how Paul F. Tompkins does that on Nation now where it's like, where can people find you if they wish to find you and if you wish to be found? Like like you don't have to give your social media. But if you wanted them to find it, then what is it?
0: Please give me your consent to find you.
1: Yes, exactly. Which is a nice thing to ask, you know. It is. Yeah. Um, but what so is your
0: twiddle hander? Tell me.
1: Twiddle hander? That was what you yeah, just said. I, it
0: kind of just blurred <laughs> out.
1: It was adorable. <laughs> But so people can find me on Twitter at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn on Twitter and Instagram and the like. Um, I also write for comicbook.com, So if you go to my Twitter, my like, link in my Twitter bio is to all of my stories on there. You can find us on Twitter at tomato tomato pod. Um, we're also on iTunes and all of the other podcast outlets. If we're not on one yet, we will hopefully be on it soon. Um, and you can leave us a review we'd greatly appreciate it or tweet at us. Reviews. Yes. Yeah. Just Only nice things. <laughs> Let us know what like go, if you want to go leave us a review on iTunes, just like review your fla- like favorite flavor of ice cream, keeping in line with the cornetto stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good idea.
1: Yeah, so just like review your favorite ice cream, just completely out of context, but then you'd give it five stars and then we'd get a five-star review. <laughs> so, you know, um but yeah so that's it for tomato tomato this week um next week we have something planned to tie into spider-man homecoming um Mm -hmm. if you're familiar with the spider-man films you can probably assume which film we're going to watch in which case get ready for dance parties
0: yes all the (laughs) dance parties
1: So yeah,
0: dance and shoes on. Like, oh
1: God, I'm already like I'm. I have wa- yeah. I have war flashbacks, and we haven't even wa- rewatched the film yet. <laughs> but so that should be, be fun. It'll be fun. I'm excited, um, especially to like compare the worst one to whatever Homecoming ends up being. Is going to be kind of fun.
0: Oh, definitely.
1: Yeah. So yeah, um, that's it for this episode. Until next time, keep watching movies. Bye bye. Bye.